Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. Today's episode we're going to be talking about Red Notice. Now this is a brand new film on Netflix. It's just dropped and it's uh, it's not good but it's enjoyable. And I think if you look past all the bad stuff, of which there is a lot, the really dodgy green screen, the pretty poor CGI, the fact that almost a quarter of the budget at least, which is $200 million dollars, has most definitely gone to the three main leads, Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's kind of fun. So there's quite a bit of good stuff. But there is also a lot, and I mean a lot, of questionable or just bad stuff. Yeah, just basically bad. And that's before even getting to the part where a whole bunch of Nazi stuff comes into it towards the last act of the film, of which I have no idea why. I've got no clue why they went so hard with that stuff. Like, yes, I know they did mention, oh, they're bad people, it's bad stuff, we need to burn it, we can't keep it, we need to just shut this off from existence. Like, fair enough, yes, that's right, Nazi stuff is bad. But there is so much of it, there is so much of this last act of the film that just relies heavily on the fact that these Nazi artefacts are somehow part of this story, of which I literally still have no idea. Like, it's honestly baffling why they decided to go down this route, because there was no mention of it for the first hour and a half, And then all of a sudden, Ryan Reynolds' character, Nolan Booth, which is a trash name, but Nolan mentions his father's watch earlier in the film, and now it turns out that that watch belonged to one of the top Nazi scientists in Hitler's regime. What the hell? (laughs) Why? And then they go to Argentina and uncover this treasure trove of Nazi memorabilia and cars and guns and everything under the sun with swastikas all over it. Why? <laughs> Literally, why? So yeah, if you can look past all that stuff, it's kind of fun. It's kind of an enjoyable film. Is it good? No. But is it fun? Yeah. Script is as you'd expect. Okay, the script just plays up to who the hell is in it. So Ryan Reynolds, surprise, surprise, is playing Ryan Reynolds. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is playing, yep, you guessed it, The Rock. Gal Gadot, on the other hand, I think she's actually fantastic in this film. I think she's completely different to what we've seen her do before. Like, this is not Wonder Woman. Okay, yes, she is still a Wonder Woman, but this is just a completely different performance from her. And I love that. I think it's great to showcase her range because she doesn't do a lot in the Fast and Furious franchise. She's a good character. She just doesn't do a lot to express those acting skills. Wonder Woman, you know, that's just Wonder Woman, and I mean, Jesus Christ, Wonder Woman 1984 is horrendous, but now in this, she's actually great, she's really, really funny, she's interesting, she's quite sinister at times, and she's witty and charming as well, so it's fantastic to see her in a role like this, which is not honestly what I expected to come out of this film. I thought it would just be a strong comedy at times between the main three leads, like having the banter and bickering, but I wasn't expecting Gal Gadot to kind of actually take the charge and be the most memorable factor of this film, other than the whole Nazi stuff, even though that's a good solid strength. The weaknesses of this film just weigh it down so much, like far too much. Like the script, on paper the script is trash, okay, it's it's awful, it's so bad, but, and there's a big but, Because Ryan Reynolds is saying half these lines, and because he's interacting with The Rock, it makes it funny, it makes it good, but if you are just reading this on paper, it's going to be awful, it's not going to be funny, it's not going to be 
interesting or exciting. It's just going to be really bland, really boring and really poorly written. And it still is to an extent. It still is poorly written. As film scripts go, it's not good. But you can't help but enjoy it because of how lines are being delivered and how interactions are going. Because, yeah, Ryan Reynolds, he may play Ryan Reynolds in every single thing. Especially this year, it hasn't been a great year for him. Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard wasn't great. Free Guy, it was fine. Didn't love it, but it was fine. And now this, again, fine. Didn't love it, but it's fine. This is all just becoming one big merger of his films and his performance. You could just watch any Ryan Reynolds film nowadays and you're getting exactly the same thing. And so, yeah, maybe it's typecast, maybe it's annoying. But that being said, I find it entertaining. I like that. I like him. I like the way he delivers things. I like his sarcasm and his humour and his wit. But when this is Netflix's biggest film ever... Like $200 million is what it costs to make, let alone the marketing, which honestly, I'll admit, I think the marketing probably cost about a tenner because I haven't seen any trailers and I haven't seen any good posters. The only posters that they released are so bad. So I think the marketing, you know, tenner, the rest of the film, $200 million, what the hell has it been spent on except for the cast? And it's annoying because you'd expect something phenomenal for that kind of money from Netflix especially because Netflix you know to be fair to them they have a lot of great films that have a smaller budget and when they have expanded their budget range they can make some decent stuff but this is just not it this is really cheap looking at times and I've literally just seen an article on Facebook saying why does Red Notice look so cheap and it's because of so many things mainly Covid okay the fact that a lot of filming had to be suspended and because this is a massive globe-trotting adventure film, you can't access any of the locations, so they've had to green screen it, and they've had to CGI it, and it looks really questionable at times. There are a lot of scenes that they just arrive there, which looks great, and then after that, they're all just in rooms, like you don't see anything outside, so they go to Rome, that's cool, got a nice establishing shot, which is definitely CGI because the camera is all over the place, and then as soon as they're there, they just spend the entire time running around rooms in a museum. And then when it does go outside, you can definitely tell that's just a movie set. That's not actually Rome. Whereas you look at older films that Netflix have done with a big budget, like Six Underground, which is basically a spin-off of this film, because it feels like that with Ryan Reynolds' character. But Six Underground, yeah, it may not be a good movie objectively, but I love it. I think it's fantastic. The script is bad. The editing is atrocious. One of the worst edited films I've ever seen in my life. Directing by Michael Bay, of course, not great. Performances aren't good. Characters are pretty forgettable. It's a bit too long. But goddammit, I think it's one of the best films I've ever produced. I love it. I love it so, so much. And with that, you can actually tell they're on location for a lot of it. Even if it looks hideous, they're still on location. They're still doing that in real time, shooting there. This film, however, Red Notice, does not feel like that at all. It just clearly feels like they have run out of money, run out of time, and they're just shooting it on a soundstage in a studio. Like, it really disappointed me in that respect. Because, come on, $200 million, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And we've seen films earlier this year with a smaller budget, ever so slightly, look 10 times better. Shang-Chi, $150 million, 10 times better than this. So much better. So I do think Netflix, it's all very well them throwing this amount of money at a project like this, but they need to work on how they use the money better, how they spend it more effectively, because this is not good. 
which is a shame because I was kind of hopeful for it. I wasn't expecting too much because the marketing has been awful, like I said, and there's been really not a lot of hype surrounding this film at all. Like, yes, three of the biggest stars currently working, but there just didn't really seem to be any call for this film and any anticipation building up to it. So it just seems to have faltered slightly. However, I'm recording this after the opening weekend and Netflix have announced that this is their biggest opening movie ever. I don't think I believe them <laughs> because we don't know as consumers, we don't know how Netflix monitors how their watch numbers come through and how their viewing figures are because they class a watch of a film is at least 26 seconds. So if you've watched the opening credits of this film, you've basically seen the film apparently according to their numbers and algorithm. But that isn't good. That's not a good way of determining how many people are actually watching your film. Because I know for me, I paused it a lot of times during it and I did keep going, granted, but if somebody just pauses it, they could not come back to it. But that would still class as a watch according to Netflix. Therefore, this is their biggest opening ever. I, I don't buy it. I really do not buy that. I think there's been so many other bigger films come out and that have had bigger numbers. I really don't see this as being the biggest one, especially with the reviews being quite negative. So are the reviews fair? I'd, I'd say yes, but at the same time, they're kind of missing the point. Like You're not expecting something fantastic. Well, I was, but you're not expecting something like genuinely fantastic. It's not going to win any Oscars. It's not going to be classed as one of the best films of the year, but is it fun? Is it enjoyable? Yeah, kind of. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny, but I don't know. It's a very weird film, and I kind of want to watch it again, but at the same time, I can't be bothered. Like, it's just under two hours, but it feels quite long, and there are a lot of other films that are very similar to it that I'd rather just watch. So this film is basically, oh god, how many films am I going to list here? A massive combination of all the Jumanjis because of The Rock, Every single Ryan Reynolds film ever, especially Six Underground and Deadpool, possibly. A little bit of Fast and Furious, a little bit of Mission Impossible, a little bit of Indiana Jones, a little bit of sort of an Uncharted vibe. It's just a whole mashup of things that are better. So, you know, it's like Jungle Cruise. Just watch Pirates of the Caribbean. Just watch The Mummy because they're ten times better than that. So the same goes for this. And yet again, another rock film. I just... Oh god, I love The Rock. I do love The Rock so much, but I can't say this is a great film. It's just eh, fine, average, interesting, exciting, but it's not good. Okay, it's not good, and it really should be. It really, really should be. But I mean, I want to talk about the director a little bit here, because Rawson Marshall Thub has directed this, and before recording this review... I'd already recorded about half of the spoiler review for this, but I've decided to just scrap that because I shouldn't have paused. I should not have waited days before continuing because I can't remember what I said. That's how memorable this film and me talking about it is. But I only knew properly that Rawson Marshall Thurber had directed Central Intelligence before this. I've just found out that he directed Skyscraper, which is horrendous. Central Intelligence, of course, which I really like. He did We're the Millers, which is one of the best comedies ever, and he did Dodgeball. What? <laughs> what the hell? This guy is just making the most random films, and they are so hit or miss. Dodgeball and We're the Millers, two very, very... Central Intelligence too. okay. Three very, very, very funny films. Skyscraper, one of the worst things I've ever seen. This, 
not as good as those other ones, but still far better than Skyscraper, that's for sure, because nothing can compare to how bad Skyscraper is. God. <laughs> but still, the fact that Ross and Marshall Thurber, the same director, has directed all of these things, how? That's genuinely baffling to me. That is honestly incredible, but just worrying because the guy needs a much better track record he needs to have a more consistent run of films that are actually good so i think the fact that he had dodgeball with the millers and central intelligence three good movies then he had skyscraper and now this two bad movies the next one he makes whether it's red notice 2 whatever it is that's going to be a bad movie then i'll get back to another good movie hopefully with the Millers 2, that's what you should do next. Or no, the one after next. So it's automatically good, according to science, of course. But yeah, interestingly directed film. There's a lot of really weird, sweepy one-takes. And during the action, it's actually pretty good. Like I loved the opening, and I loved how dynamic it felt when it's following Ryan Reynolds during that chase sequence at the start with The Rock. However, there's a lot of establishing shots that do have just a really... Weird flying dollying one take with the camera just going all over the place. And I don't like it. It just made me feel really disorientated. And, you know, we've seen it done better. Craig Gillespie did it so, so well with Cruella earlier in the year. But now this is not good. This is not an effective way of establishing a shot, establishing a scene, just directing a film. This is not a good way of directing at all. So the camera is all over the place. During the action, it's actually pretty good. I can't remember how it was with editing, but... I do know that during the interactions between The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, the editing was great. Okay, it cut at just the right times. The script worked because of how it cut. It was pretty funny. It was pretty sharp and pretty witty. Yes, towards the end, it does get too much because it starts backtracking itself and going into the whole big reveal and the twist of the fact that The Rock was secretly working with Gal Gadot the whole time, which is, it's a good twist. However... I called it, I called it very early on, I knew full well that The Rock had a secret, and I knew if they were going to twist it, he was going to be working with Gal Gadot, although they got to a point in the film where I thought, nah, there's no way they're going to do that, it's too far into it now, they're not going to do that, are they? But they still did, so fair enough, I mean, I guess they kind of defied my expectations, but they actually managed to make me convince myself that what I thought was going to happen couldn't possibly happen, and then it actually happened, so... Is that good? Is that effective? Or is it just stupid and lazy? I think it's a bit of both. I think it's not bad. It's just annoyingly obvious. Once it looks back at the film, now that this reveal has been made, it's extremely obvious and it's painfully obvious. It's not even under your nose. It's right in front of your eyes the whole time. They've explicitly been saying the twist over and over again, but somehow it still works. So kind of impressive, but kind of just frustrating. Like as twists go, it ain't bad, it's just, I wanted more, and then it just goes on too long, and then Ed Sheeran shows up at the end, why, what, <laughs> just why, <laughs> so that's where I think another 10 million in this budget went, straight into Ed Sheeran's pocket for a glorified cameo, yeah, I, I don't understand that, I really don't understand that at all, but uh, what else happens in this film, aside from the fact that Ed Sheeran shows up, they go to a lot of countries very, very briefly, and then never return, and it's really dodgily green screened, and there's a lot of jumping around at the start, so it starts off in Rome, and then it goes Bali, there's 40, no, it doesn't say 48, it's 36, or is it 56, oh no, it's a few hours later, it's like 56 hours later, two and a half days or something stupid, that would be 60, wouldn't it, forget I said that, but 
yeah, it says something really weird, like 46 hours. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember this film. But still, it's not a round number. It's not like 24 hours. It's not 48 hours. It's not three days. It's somewhere in the middle of that that it says barley that many hours later. And I'm thinking, okay, great. And then it goes back to Rome 72 hours later. And I'm thinking, why is it jumping around so much when we're just trying to establish everything? We're just trying to get to grips with what the hell is going on. Why is it causing us to think so hard during the opening of this film where you're not meant to think at all? Because I can guarantee you have to leave your brain at the door. You have to leave your brain on standby for this whole film. But when it's giving you numbers like this, when it's giving you different locations that you're trying to remember where the hell they are because they only ever spend every single minute of their waking day inside a room... So it doesn't matter that they're in Bali because they're just in a house. It doesn't matter that they're in Rome because they're just in a museum. It doesn't matter they're in, I don't know, freaking Russia or somewhere because they're in prison. You don't see anything memorable to do with where they are. It's just a room, a room and a room. So why is it throwing so many locations and timestamps when you're not supposed to think this is clearly a passive film? You're not meant to actively watch this at all because... If you are actively watching it, like I do with everything, you will see every single crack in this whole film, whether it's the script, the performances, the green screen, absolutely everything. You will see it all. You're not meant to, right? This is just a big, daft film that's supposed to be fun and entertaining. And if you look at it like that, it is. But if you look at it like that as well, it's confusing and stupid still. So, yeah, this film is mysterious. I kind of like it. I kind of hate it. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it's far from the best. As entertainment goes, it's pretty good, okay? It's a solid contender for an evening's entertainment. You're not going to think about it. You're not going to remember it too long after. But for the most part, when you're watching it, you're having a fun time. Like, well, I was for like 48% of this film. The rest of the time, 52%, I was just left thinking, when's this going to end? And why does it keep copying everything but doing it worse? So yeah, there were a few little things that I liked. The fact that Ryan Reynolds had his aviation gin in it, but he didn't have the label in it right at the start. So you just see the outline of the bottle. And I know that bottle any day of the week because I've got some literally right down by my feet at the moment. I know that bottle. I love that bottle. I love that gin. But it baffled me because he drinks it neat. He didn't put any mixer in it. And I wouldn't do that. I mean, I basically did that when I was watching Venom. But it's not bad. It's pretty nice on its own. But it feels as though you definitely need a mixer in that. So that confused me why he didn't put anything in it. No tonic water, no cranberry juice, nothing. He just has it straight out the bottle. Not even any ice. He just drinks it. He just drinks the gin neat. That confused me, but I liked the gin. And the fact that we didn't see the label of it, we just saw the back and the outline of the bottle. I liked that. I thought it was pretty funny. Then again, I'm one of the only people that's going to find that funny because I like the gin and it gets me very drunk. There is also a bit when I'm pretty sure the Rocks tequila features in it, but I'm not 100% sure because I don't know what that bottle looks like. All I know is the Rock orders a drink and I'm willing to bet that's his brand because if Ryan can have his alcohol in it, the Rock sure as hell wants his featured too. So there's a little bit of big-headedness going on here, like who's going to get it in there, who's going to get the most promotion material out of this so yeah interesting funny i like that oh another thing i just remembered i did mention it in the non-spoiler review but 
Great British Bake Off that features in this in a very, very small little scene. Gal Gadot is watching TV. She's watching an episode of Bake Off from last year when they had to recreate a mould of a famous person's head. It's a real shame they didn't have the cake that looked nothing like Lupita Nyong'o, <laughs> but they did have the Freddie Mercury cake, which is pretty funny. So I liked seeing that. I don't know why it was in that. I don't know why Paul Hollywood's piercing blue eyes were featured too, but... Sure, what the heck, if Gal Gadot wants to watch that after she just framed The Rock for stealing an egg, sure, why not? $200 million movie right here, let's have some Great British Bake Off in it. It's good marketing, it's a great bit of product placement, I like that, but still very confusing. There's a few lines that did really crack me up, one of them I will say now because I didn't mention it in the non-spoiler review, but if you're listening to this then chances are you've already seen it, so I can say it, but there's a part when they're in the prison kitchen area, and they're wearing hairnets. Now, Ryan Reynolds, understandable why he's wearing a hairnet, absolutely. And then The Rock's wearing one. <laughs> and I said to myself, I said, why is he wearing a hairnet? He's bald. And then, and then at the end of the scene, at the end of that scene, Ryan Reynolds literally says, why are you wearing a hairnet? You're bald. <laughs> So I thought that was really funny how he said what I was thinking. He's saying what everybody's going to be thinking at that time. Why is The Rock wearing a hairnet? That's a classic. That is an instant classic right there. I love that. I feel like it's been done before somewhere. I feel like it has, but it was just still hilarious. I love that. But to be fair, I'm confusing it with Clifford the Big Red Dog now because there were a few bits in Clifford that made me laugh as well. But I'm sure there were more parts in this that I laughed at and I found more entertaining, of course, because it's Clifford the Big Red Dog, for crying out loud. But yeah, Red Notice. Oh, Clifford the Big Red Dog and Red Notice. I should release these at the same time. Either way, Red Notice is... <laughs> it's a laugh, okay? It's just a bit of stupid nonsense that ain't good, but it's a laugh. And it's pretty entertaining for the most part. Even though I said I was entertained for 48%, which isn't the most part, clearly. But you know what I mean? It's just turn your brain off, enjoy it, or just go and watch anything that's better than it. So Six Underground, Hobson Shaw. Definitely watch Hobson Shaw because both Ryan Reynolds and The Rock are in that too. And I do feel like what they've done with this film is they've said... What if we just get a focus group together to say, what do you want to see in a movie? And we'll throw any amount of money at it. We'll get it made. Nothing is out of reach. And then the focus group said, let's have Deadpool, Wonder Woman and The Rock in a film together. It doesn't have to be good. Let's just have it in a big globetrotting Indiana Jones style adventure film. I want to see that. And, you know, I kind of want to see that too. And now that I've seen it, I kind of don't really care for it. Which is a shame, because I'm pretty sure this is going to get a sequel. I think it's already been confirmed. I mean, heck, biggest movie they've ever made. Of course they're going to make a sequel. And the fact that it's apparently the biggest opening for a film on Netflix too, that's guaranteed a sequel right there. But the thing what annoys me most is, like I've mentioned with every single other goddamn film that's come out lately, this film just sets up another one. And I'm sick of it. I'm actually sick of it, because, yes... To an extent, this film is properly rounded up. Okay, there is a proper conclusion. However, God, here's what annoys me. The film is called Red Notice. Now, a Red Notice is when you get put on, like, the highest watch list, like a terrorist watch list by Interpol or whoever. The CIA, the FBI, I don't know, whoever. They send out a Red Notice only to the top, top, top list of the bad guys that are causing havoc and whatnot. And they don't get Red Notice until the end. So... We've watched a film called Red Notice, 
where they don't get red noticed until the very last thing that happens. Fantastic, that's brilliant. So the next film should be called Red Notice. This should be called something else because it's not a Red Notice film. It's just a con man, woman, art thief film setting up a Red Notice film where they are Red Noticed, obviously, as the freaking title suggests. So yeah, I mean, a lot to talk about, but I think I'm done. I think people are being a little bit harsh on it, but I can understand why. I can totally understand why because it's not good. It's just... I had a fun time with it for some of it, and I just like The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. I think they're two of the funniest people currently working in Hollywood, and Gal Gadot especially. I love her in this. I think she's fantastic, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what she does next. She's playing the evil queen in Snow White's live-action adaptation for Disney, which, of course, we need another live-action adaptation. Fantastic! But yeah, I'm actually kind of excited for that because she's got range now. I now know Gal Gadot has range. She's not just Wonder Woman in everything, which is fantastic to see because, yeah, Christ, she's really not good in Wonder Woman 1984. Really not. So yeah, this film, I've already said it by now, but yeah. Watch it, enjoy it if you can, or don't, because I wouldn't be surprised if you don't enjoy it. Like, it's fine if you don't because it's not a good film, but, you know, it's just one of these things that take with a pinch of salt. If you like these kinds of films, it's like a a buddy team-up film that's sort of action-adventure and kind of witty and sarcastic and... (laughs) No, you know, I'm just thinking of Central Intelligence because The Rock is so funny in that film. (laughs) He's so good. But in this, he is just The Rock. And it's kind of annoying because you watch Central Intelligence and he's so different in it. Like, genuinely, that is one of his best performances. He's hysterical. Whoa, what? (laughs) But then you look at this and... It's Hobbs all over again. He's just Hobbs. Literally, he's Luke Hobbs crossing over with Deadpool slash the guy he played in Six Underground for Ryan Reynolds meets a sort of Wonder Woman, but not exactly because she's actually different, so I like that. But yeah, it's pretty much just Luke Hobbs meets Ryan Reynolds. That's all it is. So if you like that sort of stuff, then great. If you want to see a Porsche get smashed up, which is kind of sad because... You know, I thought it was going to go into a pretty cool action chase sequence, but the Porsche just gets totaled by, what is it, an ice cream gelato truck? That bit was kind of funny. I didn't expect that. It was kind of entertaining. But that being said, how much of the budget went into getting that Porsche and then it just gets smashed up instantly? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But for now, I'm going to leave you with exactly the same thing that I left you with in the non-spoiler review. There's always one line in a rock film where he says something that is so ridiculous and over the top, but it's fantastic. And his delivery is usually great. So Hobbs and Shaw, as I said, what in the fresh turkey hell are we dealing with here? Great line, stupid, but I love it. In this film, he tops himself. I think he's got the best line he's ever said in his entire career. When he mentions the doctor guy that had the watch initially, his name is apparently Rudolph the Red-Nosed Nazi. God damn it. (laughs) I actually can't with this film. It's just crazy how Nazi heavy it actually gets. So if you don't believe me, or if you can't believe it too, then watch it again because I assure you there's a lot. There is a lot. So if you want to skip the last 25 minutes of this film, perfect. You wouldn't be missing much. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And with that, I shall love you and leave you. I feel like this will be a Christmassy review. So ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. We're getting into the Christmas period. I'm going to be reviewing more Christmas films. I'm so excited. I hope you're excited too. And actually, speaking of the devil, 
The Rock is playing Santa next year in a film called Red One, so yet another film with red in the title. Hollywood loves the colour red, don't they? But yeah, The Rock is playing Santa. That should be interesting. <laughs> Looking forward to that. <laughs> Either way, ho ho ho, Merry Christmas, <laughs> and I'll speak to you in the next episode of You Can't Handle the Truth.